Hello and welcome back to the Space Salvi Institute podcast. I'm Andrew Pettifrin talking, as always, with my good friend, founder of the Space Salvi Institute, Bobby Mixa. Bobby, how are you? I'm doing well, Andrew. How are you doing? It's cold here in Krakow. Yeah, I, I bet it is. You you've moved to uh, a cold place, and uh, you know you have to you have to live with it, don't you? Yeah, I don't mind though. It's not as bad as Chicago. Yeah, I I uh, just last night I watched the new Ridley Scott movie Napoleon, and they were uh, stuck in Russia, and uh, his his generals recommended they go back to the more temperate clime of Poland to wait out the winter <laughs> and. Uh, Napoleon didn't listen. He didn't listen. He he got in, got himself in big trouble. So I was thinking of you actually when I when I heard this advice to go to Poland so that and you're the, not so the, cold. The, the, yeah, the the temperate climate, right? Uh, Indeed. So Indeed. Well, today we have a special show. We have a guest, and our guest is Konrad Milewski, who uh, is Polish born but lives in the United States of America. And if you are watching us on YouTube, you can see that Conrad has a patriotic uh, uh, painting behind his head, and maybe he'll tell us about that. But Conrad is the author of a book that we want to discuss today, among other things. And the book is called Escape from the American Cage, How to Regain Life, Liberty, and Happiness, and Gain Truth, Dignity, and Love. Conrad, how are you? Good. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for having me and your podcast. So yeah, welcome, gentlemen. Yeah, welcome. Greetings from Kansas. I'm in Kansas, in the middle Kansas. of the United States. Oh, yes. Kansas is a great place. I'm in Texas, so we're, you know, we're kind of in the same line of, uh, I don't know what, what what they call it in geography, but we're, you know, in the same general part of the world. And uh, Bobby, of course, is in Poland. So let's uh, let's get into it. Let's start with this, with this open-ended question. Conrad, you love America. Why? That's a wonderful question, really. <laughs> yes. There is a lot of elements. There is a lot of elements. When you come from from Europe, Poland, you can see so much different environment. Yeah, you can be amazed. And I think I, I was and I still is amazed uh, about many, many things. And I can list some of those. Uh, you know, I, I try to have a balanced view, uh, trying to look into the you know environment and and how the people behave if if there is a general joyfulness or happiness in people and that's probably my first reaction how you know looking into the people's eyes and hearts and how they feel how they operate in this environment but yes i yeah i can i can subscribe or sign off uh, the statement that you said yes i'm impressed and um yeah there is there is a lot of love for america so yeah, we can go into some details uh, if you want, and then of course we will bridge it and balance this this whole picture uh, later on to to also to, you know make other listeners aware of what I'm discovering here, being Polish, uh, what's different, and uh, and maybe need some uh, uh, discussions, yes, uh, or maybe yeah. improvements. Yeah, Conrad, kind of, I was in, um, maybe kind of going back, I know that you, uh, growing up in Poland, I'm sure you must have had a great, perhaps, perhaps great love for, uh, or maybe your introduction to America was in a way through Ronald Reagan. Um, I was in Warsaw over the weekend and I, I uh, it was a snowy morning, very cold, but I liked it and I decided to go take a long walk uh, to the Warsaw Stock Exchange. 
And I passed by the U.S. Embassy, and right there with a layer of snow on his head is was Ronald Reagan, the statue of Ronald Reagan. So, you know, most people in Poland, you know, when they they hear Ronald Reagan, just like Michał Wuczewski's father said, they'll say, Re Reagan is okay. Reagan, okay. Yeah. So yeah. Um, do you have any, is, uh, I don't know if, you know, growing up, you you had any um, appreciation for Reagan and that connection between Poland and America. Do you have anything to say about that? Yeah. Yes, I have. So yeah, let's start with history. I think this is important and, and it's a good context for all the other discussions. And and then I will list uh, probably whole, you know, aspects of what I love. But yeah, let's start with the history. And uh, yeah, Ronald Reagan, but even before that, when when I look into myself and the closest family and Poles, you know, we, we recognize, I think, much more common topics with America. And uh, I think it's dated, to my sense, it's dated to, I would say, Tadeusz Kościuszko. I don't know if this name resonates uh, in Americans, probably not so much like in Poles, which is, for me, it's a huge symbolism. You might remember Poland was partitioned. I think it was like 70, 72. It started 1795. It, it, it just finished. So we just disappeared from the map. Now, look at this uh, coincidence. So 1772, first uprisings and then and fights for the, let's say, keeping independence. And then you have this person, Tadeusz Kościuszko and others, and they were fighting there. They are losing and they immediately go to America to fight for American independence. So you can see those like the same hero of America and the same hero of Poland, you know, fighting for the same cause, which is independence. So I'm I'm looking when I'm looking at America, it's like America is 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 you know getting born. How can you say it? Yeah, the birth of America, and then Poland is disappearing from the map. That's a huge symbolism for me as a Pole that we just finish our existence on the map and then you America is growing and there are some connectivities uh, when it comes to those uh, people like Tadeusz Kościuszko those uh, big fighters for independence so that's one element and then you know another element is you know President Wilson. Yeah, that's that's the that's the president that we have in our memories, which means after 123 years, you know, of not existence again, we just regain our independence as Poland. And you know, there are three, four, or let's say six major leaders that you know they made made it for us, but one of them and, and one of the relationship we have was Ignatian Paderewski. That was a genius you know, artist, uh, let's say piano player. Um, and, and he was a very, you know, top-notch cultural figure. And he was a frequent traveler to the United States. And it turned out that he was a friend of your president, American President Wilson. And then when the war was close to be over in 1918, and so again, I repeat myself, 123 years of non-existence, then... President Wilson, knowing Paderewski, knowing the spirit of Polish people, I think, I hope he he had this love for Poles and 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 the and and a Polish culture. He was just talking, I think, in January 1918 to 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 the capital, 
and having this speech that he would love to regain and resurrect Poland and give them independence. So that was critical. So you have now Tadeusz Kościuszko, which is a hero of both countries. Then you have uh, Wilson and the friendship with Polish cultural figure who was playing mainly Chopin. So it's another uh, cultural element here. And then, of course, Piłsudski was there. But but then moving forward after the Second World War, when we were introduced to an evil system of communism uh, by, you know, Russian empire, let's call it Soviet Union at that time, uh, then, of course, there was a Cold War. You know, you were engaged as an Americans and then, you know, against the Soviet Union. And then coming back to Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan... And I think John Paul II, and then, you know, Margaret Thatcher and Lech Wałęsa, those key figures are very close to Polish hearts. Why Ronald Reagan? Because he was able to, I think, communicate not only on a political and strength level, but also on a spiritual level, on a language level. It was a person of the word. Like John Paul II, you know, as, as we all know, he, he, he loved language. He was studying Polish language at the university. He was an actor. Now Ronald Reagan was an actor. So I think there was a lot of, you know, they have a lot of in common. So they were able to communicate on a deeper level and, uh, and love for freedom that comes from the word. And we know from our faith, uh, you know, at the beginning, there was a word. And I think it's a word based universe as some people are saying it uh, recently so i think they were able to meet at the level of understanding the beauty of the world and uh, and the freedom so yeah ronald reagan very close to my heart and to many people in poland so a lot of help from americans a lot of millions of dollars going to these underground organizations a huge uh, effort uh, given by the polish church catholic church and of course, again, John Paul II. So I think this was a, a, an amazing relation. And, and those leaders uh, make a change, made a big change. So, yeah. I sometimes think about this, Conrad. I uh, I, I shared this story, actually, when we interviewed. Um, um, sorry. The, Michał, the, Michał Uczewski. Michał, yeah, Michał Uczewski recently. And I, I was sharing my own reflections from being a kid in the 1980s. And my father was a, a professor at a university and then kind of late, you know, before it was too late, but later than most people became a, a United States Naval officer and an intelligence officer. And I remember he used to tell me that when he was sort of coming up in academia and then even in his early military career, there was a sense even among the American leadership that the Cold War would never end, that that there would always be communism and that there would just, we would always live in this kind of, you know, this, this, you know, imperfect relationship, but we would just have to learn to live with it. That would just have to be the way that it was. And then my father used to tell me, then Reagan went to Berlin and he, I mean, a lot had already happened by then, but he went to Berlin and he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Now that had a certain resonance in America to be sure, but I can only imagine, and I'm just, I'm curious to ask someone like you, what, what that meant to Poles, what that meant to people who are living under communism to have the leader of the free world, Ronald Reagan, come to Europe and to essentially say, we're going to defeat this thing. We're we're not going to let people continue to live under this system. Uh, you know, was do you have a memory of that or, or your parents or your family or people in your community just uh, reflecting on that? 
Yeah, I think it's a it's a fundamental thing. And when you are in those kind of circumstances, surrounded by all this evil, and and you don't know where to go because it's overwhelming. Yes, in those times, you know, you're living in a in a fabricated artificial building blocks. Yeah, developed by it, it was like a social engineering uh, thing in uh, in communist times. So you live in the buildings where the walls have ears, and then every other person could be a spy or you know working for the big party, and their main task was to to to, to hear and listen and and. Um, and find a way to to bring it to the party. Make sure that you follow um, the only one truth. So living in this kind of environment of of a constant fear, yeah, uh, knowing that probably how can you really get out of this cage? How can you do it yourself? And now hearing that there is an external world, and yeah, I think the strongest at the time in our minds the struggle the strongest empire and 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 in its head a president who is saying yes we will defeat it and he is not afraid to tell it to the other leader you know eye to eye in his face you better you know turn this down um no immediately your your mindset your understanding of the world that you are not alone change so I think that was that was a corner. So that was a breakthrough, uh, break even point, whatever we call it, because suddenly, all, for, in addition to strength that you're gathering and 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 you know the source of faith you have. So the strength in the Polish people were coming from the faith, from a gathering. You know, if everybody is an evil, so you go to the church and you were praying together. You you felt this uh, unity. You were united. United because there is an evil, uh, you know, on every single corner. So you were having those strength from this trust. But in the practical terms, you were missing something. How practically it can fall down. How practically you can win. And I think that's, yes, that's, uh, that is, that was a very important statement. Not only this one, but then seeing people cooperating, uh, seeing, you know, him, uh, Thatcher, uh, John Paul and others talking and trying to uh, figure it out, what's the best possible way of you know making it work? That was uh, that was amazing and and very important. It changed the you know changed the history for us really. Conrad, on that note, kind of you mentioned the church as being the place where people could gather and be united, um, but also the importance of the church in overcoming uh, the communist uh, you know grip on society. Could you maybe say, I know we've talked before about figures like uh, Father Popiushko, uh, Cardinal Vyshinsky, some of the other players who many Americans might not know much about. I remember we even were talking about this one movie that came out, I think when we met at O'Hare Airport that time, remember? Um, and I watched on the plane the movie about uh, that priest, I forget his name, who really helped organize um, in a very clever way, and kind of unknown figure, um, at least unknown to me until I watched that film. Um, so could you maybe say like a word about some of these figures that perhaps are not as well known, but were decisive in the overcoming of, of the communism within Poland? Yeah. 
And I think it's, so again, what is helpful and now looking, and I appreciate very much uh, a Catholic faith, uh, faith uh, that was in his in Poland. But at that time, I would say, every single person uh, was claiming I'm a Catholic. The churches were full of people, so you can understand that. But when you analyze also the deeper history, I will come back to your question, but deeper history of Poland, and you start from, let's say, from 1966, it's like baptism of Poland, yes? And then you learn, okay, there are some legends that even the name Poles, uh, in Polish, the closest word would be Polani, Polan, Polanie, Polani, which means the people who are, who, who, on whom you pour the water on, which is baptized. So from the very moment of our, uh, let's say, creation of Pol Poland as a country, uh, many of us have this understanding that we were Polanyi, we were baptized, and that's our mission. And in the, in the beginning, the start of the country was to evangelize the East, yeah? Go and evangelize others. So we have this understanding, and when you look into the whole history of uh, all these possible wars in, in, in Europe, and then, you know, just let's give two, three examples before I come to the modernity and modern life. Uh, I don't know, flood of Swedish Empire, yes, uh, which was like 1655 or 16, uh, yeah, 50, 55. And they came to and they flood the whole Poland and always we almost disappeared at that time. But then. We believe, and there are also the legends that, you know, that the Virgin Mary saved Poland and then King suddenly announced that the Virgin Mary is the Queen of Poland. There's also a one historical event, I think, in, in Neapol, uh, one Jesuit, and I think in 1608, he heard the Virgin Mary talking to him and saying, look, don't you know I'm a Queen of Poland? This is the land that loves me. This is the land. These are the people that love me. So from, you know, 1655, most of the Polish people believe that the Virgin Mary is our queen. So it, it, it you can have this kind of a feeling. So in our history, in our <laughs> blood and in our minds, you have those kind of recognition for it. And then fast forward now to your question. Now, at the, let's say between the wars, you have the St. Faustina. So we were just, we have this understanding of our saints, I think, yeah, Catholic saints, and they are giving us strength, which means whatever happened in the past, there were some reasons to believe that we will overcome it because of saints and because of miracles. Yeah, so she met, you know, she had her vision and encountering Jesus. And we all know about, you know, the painting, we know all of those results. But now in 1920, we have this other miracle at the Vistula River. We're supposed to, you know, disappear again. There was a Soviet invasion, huge battle. We were tiny, they were big. And then we also believe oh, that was a miracle. And if we were not, you know, won that war, that probably this communism will flood the whole Europe and and it will, you know, destroy those values that we all believe in. So so you see those points in history for thousands of years and that, that we had problems, but we came out of those problems because of saints, because of our belief, because of those miracles. 
And then we are now in a reality of communism after the Second World War. And then you have those figures, like father figures from, a, again, for the Catholic Church. And you mentioned Vyshinsky, um, uh, Primas Vyshinsky, yes, who, you know, in a most possible intelligent way, because those people are very intelligent as well. So I believe, you know, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit working through them, you know, this he spent you know, time in prison. So you can see the people who are suffering for you, for the nation. It's not in theory. It's not in a book. It's real time. It's happening. Those people are in the jail. The, those people are prosecuted. Uh, so you can see them. Then you have Jerzy uh, Popiewuszko, and these are my times. Because it was, I think, 1986, and Jerzy and and I was, I think, 13 years old, yeah, four plus three, yes, uh, yes, let's say 13 years, no, it was, I, yeah, I think eight, let's say, yeah, eight years old, yeah, but look at what, you, you know what I remember? I remember lying in my bed, and my parents are listening to the radio and television for the first time myself, as a, you know, s small boy, I was afraid. That was the first time in my life I was afraid, I uh, it was it was a huge fear. I was hearing they kidnapped a priest uh, and then they tortured him. They, you know, they put a ropes around his legs and, 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 and hands and they throw him into the lake. And and they just, you know, found the body and they started to discuss. And I was just hearing what's going on, why the people are dying, yes? So you, and then you, in the family, you start praying more and more because, you know, all those families, this, you know, domestic church, we were praying every day. My mom was bringing us together. Before we go to bed, we were on our knees and praying rosary. And, and you were praying for those priests and you were praying for the, for the peace. And me, myself, I remember, I remember I was afraid. I was scared that they can just put me into the lake, that, that this is not a, this is not anymore a joke. And, you know, as when you're a small child, you don't know that communism is around. you. Come on, you play with your friends. I was playing with my friends like six hours per day outside. This was the best life ever I could live. But there were moments that they, this deep reflection and, and this darkness were coming to to my ears. And uh, and yes, that was Jerzy Popiewuszko. So I think what, what, what it gave to us, this realism of there are real heroes, there are real saints, and that's the moment. This is the moment that you can see them. You can touch them. You can be close to them. And, and, and yes, they were giving us strength and hope, uh, that the word that you used at the beginning. Yes, we, we gain, we were gaining a hope from, from Vyshinsky and then, uh, John Paul or, you know, Carol Wojtyla blessed by him somehow, appointed, appointed, anointed by, by, by Vyshinsky. And then you see all those, saints like Maximilian Maria Kolbe from the Second World War. So you you knew that the suffering is is a property. <laughs> the suffering is inevitable in our life. And you can see the suffering really firsthand. And but in this uh, case it was because of uh, fighting for the freedom, fighting for religious freedom, fighting for for our families and fighting for the truth. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of memories <laughs> you brought. With your Conrad, that 
that I think is a good transition to talk a little bit about America, maybe, because, you know, I think I think it may be the case that a lot of us in America just take our freedom for granted because we haven't really um, experienced the kind of thing that you're that you're talking about. And, you know, as I was reading through the first um, the first few chapters of your book, uh, Escape from the American Cage, I was thinking of Alexander Solzhenitsyn a little bit, how, you know, he arrived in America and he gives a speech, I think it was in 1975 at Harvard. And the, the the essence of the speech is basically, you guys are wasting your freedom. Like, what are you're free and this is what you're choosing to do with it? I, you know, it's sort of, you know, and, and he got criticized for that at the time, um, that he was sort of ungrateful to this, you know, free country that let him come live there. But I think as the decades have have gone on, it's proved really prophetic, you know, what, what he had to say. So I'm not necessarily saying that's exactly what you're saying, but I do think that, you know, you're, there's something you're trying to convey in your book about encouraging your fellow Americans now to appreciate their freedom more. Is that, is that correct? Yes. I, th I think that two, two elements to it, but I think I'm 150% right. This, this is, this is the observation and some kind of a warning yeah, warning sign from the person who, yeah, who was able maybe to experience portion of the uh, all the consequences of of other systems and approaches. But that two elements, uh, when I, you know, decided to write a book about America, and the book that you are referring to, um, more focus focuses on the fruits that I observe. Yeah, of course, I analyze some of those. I, I should probably spend another 20 years of, you know, historical root and, you know, causes and effects, etc., analyzing it deeper and deeper. But I decided to stay on the level of what I observe by the fruits you, you will know. And, but I came from the two, two possible, I would say, uh, dimensions. One is what you just mentioned. Uh, freedom and and making sure that we have to fight for freedom continuously. That's one other thing. But the second is from a my maybe life story and a life mission that I recognized uh, uh, years years ago, which is love people, love for people, uh, loving people. So help them, give uh, them support, give them hope, inspire to live more joyful life. Uh, and direct them into the truth and the love. This is my recognized and accepted vocation. So when I look first into the people, I already have certain reactions. So I would like to help uh, somehow. And that's the, the result. The book is a result of this, uh, uh, let's say, how can we say it? Reaction. How can I help? So, yeah, what I observed, um, <laughs> there's a lot of positives and we had no chance to talk about it. Let, let's maybe have a loop. So I will just talk about the, those elements that are, uh, that's, uh, that are described immediately in the, the book. But then I would also would like to close with positive, uh, positive side. But uh, what I first observed when I came here with the freedom, that is here already for so many years. I still observe, and I felt that there is a there is a certain level of fear in in people. Fear, and and I was trying to analyze that. What is this fear? Where where it is coming from? 
And, and of course, you quickly realize coming from, let's say, today's Poland or today's Europe, um, there is a fear because of the news. You hear about gun violence on, on the streets. You look into, you drive your kids to school and then they are welcomed by, by the policeman, which is not a common picture in, uh, I would say, in Europe or in Poland. So you can see policemen in, in churches. You can see policemen in front of theaters. You can see policemen everywhere. And then you start to think, what's going on? Is there, is there any civil war going on here? What's going on? Um, and then you again hear the news. Of course, I don't want to mention obvious examples of, I don't know, uh, school mass shootings, etc. I know it, 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 it's when it happened, everybody is alerted, everybody is thinking about it, but, but it's in the regular everyday life, you hear about it, that something happened on the street, that, uh, uh, that someone was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So there is certain fear in people that I'm, I'm sensing. Yeah. I don't want to go to a, you know, root causes, etc. but just to give you a flavor of what I'm feeling when I just arrive and I'm here already seven years. So yes, everywhere police and, and you hear about shootings all the time. Uh, so that's, that's one thing. And then also when you go even to the church or like, uh, community gatherings you start hearing about drug abuse you you start hearing about this massive addiction patterns in america of course i study this i review the statistics and facts etc try to compare countries etc to 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 not just be uh, taken by uh local impressions or or local situations but but then when you start to study it, then you can see it, it is overwhelming. Something is really going on here. So it's a mass addictive society to some degree. It is. And then you study it further. And then you also hear, you know, everybody knows here the person that was shot or that uh, committed suicide. So the suicide topic is also common that you're hearing and it's like you again you ask the questions what is going on so then you have so you have gun violence you have a suicide ratio going up then you have mass addiction going uh, going up and uh, so this is the environment and then you have to switch off the radio but if you even switch off the radio you can still see it and then you can hear about it in a in the community communities uh, that you are participating in so yes, so there is something in the air, I would say. There's, um, there are also other elements, but I think we, we may want to stop and, and, and maybe deep dive into one of those. But, uh, but yes, there is an element of free speech, which is obviously a virtue. It's, it's the strength of this country. Uh, but again, the question is, you know, how far we can go with the, with the, with the freedom of speech. And then you just start to see the correlation. Okay. Freedom of speech is, is a strength for this country. Uh, but at the same time, you look into human to human relationship or social connect, connectedness, I would call it. 
you start to analyze, you know, the level of loneliness, like 35, 40% claim to be lonely in America. And, and, and again, just, you know, a, a bulb is, is lightning. Is it, is it really true? When you start discussing with, with regular people, you notice, and coming from my culture here, is that the discussions and, and discussions and relationships are on a, I would say quite a shallow level. So yes, usually it's a, it's a culture of sports. It's a culture of, uh, business. It's a culture of even mowing the grass. Yeah. But the level of discussions and the relationships are not going, let's say, too deeply. And if you don't have those deep relationships, if you don't have those discussions or, ser- you know, over the serious matters in your life, then you can sense, yeah, there is a, it's a dis- different, different strength of a social fabric than to uh, the strength we have in, in, in Poland. So these are my reactions. And when I observe those in my real life, um, I said, okay, why should I study more? Can, how can I help the society to discover the depth or, and beauty, and beauty of the relationships? Uh, and maybe those, those relationships will trigger, you know, uh, decrease of loneliness or more joy. Yeah. And, and, and they will open people to themselves because, you know, when you sum it up, all of those, you know, access to guns and, and gun violence and the fear. And then when the people start, you know, not having those deep relationships, you, you are, you can, yeah. This is my personal, you know, feeling. People are afraid of each other on a depth, on a on a let's say on a heart level. You can be afraid of each other because you know there is no deep deep relationship. So, and then you you can carry your gun, and you, and you, there is this wonderful feature of the society of being being kind uh, at the first meeting, at the first encounter. This is beautiful. This is wonderful. But there is a level. If you exceed that level. Uh, you will see that there is an immediate, you know, reaction of there's some anger on on a certain level, and then uh, and then you can explode, and then the questions of this how you would do it, um, yeah, it is it is maybe hard to explain to the American. If I would be born here, probably I would not feel it, yeah. But because I'm coming from a different reality, that's why in my title of the book. Uh, escape from the american cage it's a mental cage but it's ex- exactly the same when i'm in poland i would i will encourage myself to escape from a polish polish and polish cage as well so how to detect those differences and uh, and maybe coming with this uh, different background different mindset different spirit uh i can sense it uh but yes this is uh maybe uh, a very long response to your question so you know how can you see now this freedom is this freedom well um uh used i can say both you you can see that america is the i think the 
strong, the strongest nation in the world. You can see America today is the most, I think, wealthiest country in the world, probably with like 25, maybe trillion dollars of GDP. You can see those uh, elements. You can see very strong, uh, I would say, private healthcare system. You can see this. Uh, you can see people who who uh, who really flourish, flourish uh, having their own businesses, uh, especially, you know, the top 20%. I think they own probably 80% of the wealth. You can see the effect of really strong capitalism. So for those people. Um, so, yes, there's a lot of good things that happen. And then all those, you know, wealth is bringing up, you know, step by step the whole society. You can see this. Uh, but in contrary, uh, you also asking yourself and my, myself, I'm asking myself, how this, how, how did, how did it happen? My response to it is because the country itself was founded on a good foundation. When you look into the Declaration of Independence, and I was just uh, thinking to myself, looking at those fruits, how can, how should I compare? How, how should I dare even to compare uh, to myself and to my country? So I decided, okay, is there any universal point of reference that I should take to start comparing what I'm seeing in America uh, to these points of reference? And, I, and, then, and then I decided very quickly, okay, let's start with the Declaration of Independent, which, Independence, which is a document that outlined the ideal of this country put it by the founding fathers. Of course, there's a constitution, which is a more practical document, how to set up government, etc. But th this is a reference point I, I took in my book. At the same time, another reference point was, it was built on a, on a Christian foundations. And, and again, in the declaration, you can see the, the creator there in reference to the creator. And then and everyone was created by the creator even equally and then there are certain rights inalienable rights yeah life liberty and pursuit of happiness that's good and then i said okay let's let's look into it from through from more scientific uh, scientific uh, lenses and let's see how america today is fulfilling the promises of the declaration so i went through and i studied all the reports about you know happiness in the world uh, looking at statistics on, you know, happiness, on, on, you know, drag, uh, drug usage, drugs usage, on, on gun violence, um, on, on elements of healthcare, uh, life expectancy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then it turned out that what I sense it, uh, is somehow close to be right. America, they have an ambition to be the first in most of the things they're doing. Is not the first. Yeah, it, it could be like 122nd in a in a in a change of happiness index. Why is 122nd? What's going on? Why that they are not first? Why they're not in a top 20 of happiness index? Why those people are not happy uh, having such a foundation, such a noble document as a declaration? So what is really going on here? Um, so yes. I, I went through this whole journey and studied, and then I saw those patterns. And what what was my, let's say, final conclusion, and also coming from a 
Christianity and, and my, my also Catholic faith. And I added to my subtitle, and you can read it here. So Escape from the American Cage, that's the, that's the title. And I said, how to regain life, liberty, and happiness. But again, and gain truth, dignity, and love. So what I noticed is slowly but surely the modern culture that is flooding American society is step by step going away from truth, dignity, which means how we understand a human being and, and its nature and, and the love, as I call it. And then I said to myself, look, if the Declaration of Independence, if I would be asked to rewrite it, or let's say rewrite one sentence, I would just add truth, dignity, and love as other inalienable rights, and having them, it can, it can help to regain you, you, you know, you regain a unity of the whole uh, whole country. Um, so yes, I can see this. I can see this a Christian foundation. Uh, still, when you look into statistics, it's probably around 65-70% of Christians in America. And then you have probably 5-7% to 7 of, let's say, other, religion, other religions. And then but you have 20-25 and growing yeah, non-affiliated people, atheists, etc. And, and the new culture is using it, and leveraging those atheists, leveraging those who were probably lost somehow in terms of deeper values. And you can see this, how, 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 how this phenomenon of going away from a Christian values is changing the America uh, and changing in a, in a wrong way. You know? So, yeah. so yes, um, I think it was probably too long of a, of a descriptive description here, but um, no, yeah, no, that was perfect, Conrad. I, I, I haven't really um, adding the truth, dignity, and love. That just your statement there, just to add that at the end, in some ways is the like it's in in some ways that's the briefest and the most insightful uh, line I've ever heard on how to actually properly like refound the the kind of the, the body politic of America. Um, so, anyways, that was that's uh, very insightful of you, and it seems to me that it's basically exactly what your your great uh you know um um paul john paul ii would often say to americans as well is all these things that you outline you know when he comes to america he he has great respect and admiration for this country but he always adds those those elements as the only the truth will set you free and your ultimate purpose is is to love god and neighbor um, and so, and also the dignity of the human being, every human being, um, as a great reminder, and also in some ways, the great cure for perhaps the sickness that he also discovered here. Yes. And, and it's, it's, and it's true. Yeah. So it's this, uh, the freedom that we start and you was asking about a freedom, you know, how do you see it? It's coming from Poland. Now, the freedom and you know let's start with the beginning you have this you know foundations and in those foundations you can see you know all those rights and you can see creator 
And then you build on top of that. And of course, you have, you know, First Amendment, Second Amendment, etc. First Amendment, mainly, you know, freedom of speech. So freedom everywhere. So Americans love their freedom. Now, this freedom, maybe unconsciously, let's say unconsciously at the very beginning, because you have this strong foundations, you are so close to founding fathers and those, this, the ethos of, uh, of, of being embedded in the freedom, but this freedom was rooted in Christianity and values, yeah, in Christian values. Now, longer you go and you start to forgetting about Christian values, you are left out with the freedom. Yes, this is good with the freedom, but there is no freedom without responsibility. As we know, there is no freedom without the reference of the higher values or 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 truth true structure of the world how the world is really structured you cannot operate without the boundaries of ethics you cannot offer you, you cannot operate without the boundaries of of this nature of the world and the question is what is this nature of the world even you know from our because you know we are in a judeo christian context here but even if you have those, you know, old ancient stories about, you know, um, Jews leaving and searching for their paradise, <laughs> promised land, you, you remember that at the beginning, they were under, look at that. And in Poland, I can see this because, you know, there is a loop. Poland has to learn. We are all shifted in, in time. But let's assume, so you are, you are in an early, you know, living in, in Judah, and then you have this kind of you're living as a slave, yeah. Slavery. There is a bigger um, empire that set up the rules for you, so you you live within those rules and constraints. And suddenly you have a chance to go and free yourself. And they got this change uh, chains, yeah. So they went. They went to to the desert. Now, when you studied it very you know deeply, they got this chance. But then suddenly they discover themselves in the pure, um, fullest freedom and they start to, what, flourish? No, they were not flourishing. That's, that's, the, that's the unbelievable phenomenon. So, so the conflict started. The, uh, the other, let's say, gods started to appear. So other conflicting ideas. And uh, the, 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 very soon, the, the whole organization and the whole, uh, for, whole nation, all the people, you know, found themselves, we are not anymore united, yes? So we are, you know, we even are able to substitute and replace the God we have with something that is artificial, yes? So because we, instead of having the, you know, foundational rules, one rules that rules us, we just start to develop ours. So what I'm looking at now being 250 years, let's say, after the declaration, all those generations that remember, it's like generations that remember Jesus, generations that remember Abraham, generations that remember founding fathers, and they are not continuing their faith, yes? They are just now like the desert. Everything is possible. I can do whatever I want. I can, I can make a def new definition of a human being. I can make it, yes? It's like, 
let's think about it. It's a lot of scientism, yes. Everybody, you know, fell in love with scientism. Why? Because we need a reference point. We need a vision. We need someone to tell us what can be, you know, sense of my life. So if someone is telling me, let's develop an artificial life, yeah, we can do it. We have AI. Uh, we can go to the brain. We can maybe download the brain. So maybe we can, you know, chase for eternal, eternal life. So human beings maybe can do it. So we don't need God, okay. Uh, or maybe, you know, I feel today uh, a different person that I was when I was born. So maybe... Yeah, maybe let's form a a regulation around it. Let's fight for that. It's a, it's it's a noble cause in my eyes. So now you have this kind of movement of millions of ideas, you know, trying to establish their own truth, and th those truths will sooner or later will be in conflict with themselves. Yeah, they will be because you know if. Every human being can define and establish his own truth. Of course, at the back of it, it will be your own need first. You like to satisfy your own needs and your own feelings. It will be always designed like that. So if I have a different needs and and and, and different, you know, understanding of a pleasure or different understanding of my family, different understanding of my future, and you have a different one, then there will be a collision. And we can observe this. Yeah, we can observe this. Um, polarization and, and now in america is skyrocketing why i think he, america start leading this why because of what i already mentioned the relationship with people in a without internet was already to my taste on a how you call it superficial level on a non too deep level in the families, yes, but between people between the families, be, within the communities, on a quite uh, shallow level, then on top of it, you, you you give them a tool or toy, which is a social media, which is communication platform that you can say whatever you want. So now I'm an American, finally. I can say whatever I want. It's a full freedom. Uh, behind the, you know... I can be behind the screen if I don't have a reference to the declaration. Let's let's forget about deep religion. If I don't have a reference, if I don't really understand what it says there about the one that created it all and he really rules, he set up the goals. If I don't have this reference, if I already, uh, I was not taught because I don't think it's the fault of a young generation. They were not taught. It's a fault of my generation, yes? And so... So I don't have this reference. So, okay, I'm free to act. Let's show the, you know, this is a freedom of speech. So you can tell every, any, anything you want. And now in internet with those algorithms, the algorithms are like forming a lookalike communities. If I'm pro this, then the algorithm will bring the people who are like this, which means I will have this kind of fake understanding of reality, believing, wow, yes. My idea is followed by millions of people. So that's the mm -hmm. right idea. So that's why what we can observe now, it's a full freedom, something that is unbelievably strong and should be followed by all the countries on earth, like Poland. We were fighting for it. We were praying. We were dreaming about a freedom. Now you have this kind of a freedom in America and you observe a tendency that farther you go, I'm repeating myself, I know, farther you go from a founding father's 
uh, or the declaration ideal, yeah, in our term, <laughs> go more far away from the reality, real reality or true reality of created universe, then you are creating multiple countries, multiple um, Americas within one America, which means it will, it may not be soon the United States of America. That's why in my in my book I was just saying, wow, why shall we have an ambition to create recreate a United Societies? Okay, it's not states start with the societies of America. Let's start to be united. How can we be united? We have to have we have to refer back to one truth, and uh, because you have to start with foundation. If the foundation is different, you will never come uh, to the one truth and united country. You will never do it. This is not possible. Theoretically, it's not possible. Some people believe, although, <laughs> sorry, it's so long. Some people believe that it can be united by capital. Yes. And uh, and I think it's very deeply rooted in America, very deeply. When you talk with people who are very wealthy, and I was uh, sending the book and asking them, can you, you know, <laughs> challenge my point of view? I think in the, yeah, most of the cases, uh, they don't like my statements. In most of the cases, they said, no, it's um, if you are not happy, if you are not wealthy, it's your fault. Uh, this is common, really common. If, it's, if you are not doing right in this country, it's your fault. Yeah, it's a, it's a free country. You, you, you better educate yourself, work like crazy hard, and you will gain it. You will have money. Then with the money, you will set up your happiness. Because when I look into the declaration and this, you know, pursuit of happiness, I'm still, I still think that it's closer to the more English and uh, the, the, you know, European founding fathers it is probably, you know, pursuit of property. It's more about property than really happiness. For me, happiness is joyfulness. It's a different types of happiness. It's a happiness on the level of peace and joy and, 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 and then you feel that your that your life has sense and meaning and deeper sense and meaning that you have a connectivity with the people that you know what's the noble cause what's the noble vision of life. So here I think in a in the declaration is more about property. It was changed maybe last minute into happiness, uh, but um, but yes, this is a in a sh in a short sentence <laughs> probably not short uh, how I feel. Uh, where we are with 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 the understanding and where it is going now should i be pessimistic <laughs> uh you know the, the the history forgetting about the atomic bomb and what is going on on the on the on a tensions uh, uh you know geopolitical situation let's forget about this for a moment which you cannot because it's all interconnected these are the all connected systems uh, and some behavior of America is connected to being a global power. It is. So don't get me wrong. It's so complicated. But but when you look into this whole situation and saying, so is this, is this end of, end of the America, end of the earth? I doubt. I doubt. Yeah. Even tiny amount of devout Christians, believers, those who 
those who are given the truth, because this truth will never be uh, cancelled on earth. That's my belief. And it's, of course, rooted in my faith. But if we still have a group of core believers, it can be done because we know there were 12 disciples and it can be done. So young generation, you observe, they are sooner or later realize absurd of the situation of having or live in a full freedom. Why? Because they already see the consequences. When I look into my um, my daughter, she's 16. When I look into the faces of those young people, they're already noticing something is missing in my life. I cannot really form closer relationships. You know, I try to do something, but they just immediately go to sports. They immediately change topic. They just go into the, you know, smartphone. Something is going wrong. So you can see the longing and desire of young people, young souls, young spirits. There's something there more deeper in the reality. So as long as a new generation will be born, there is hope. Yeah, there is hope. Now, the question is, who will tell them about the truth in a way that they will believe? And I still believe that it's also not only on us, but there is a Holy Spirit that is always with us forever. Uh, but it's a battle. It's a battle. It's not that we should sit and watch. It's uh, if you want to really live your full life, it's, uh, you know, just probably I will repeat Jordan Peterson. He has, he's just talking and talking and talking to the young people or continues in all the time. You know, just go and, and have an adventure. Adventure will be painful. As you know, suffering is inevitable, but then you will really experience your life to to its fullness. So, yes, there is a longing in a young generation. They would like to live their life in a different way. If you start living on a shallow level, on a pleasure level, they will soon discover that many people will end up very wrong. They will die from a overdose. 70,000 young people just die in this 12-month period of time in America. Yes, it's like it, it, it's 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 crazy, yeah. It's crazy. We, it shows me that the pleasure is taking over the true definition of happiness. Yes, I believe we can be happy and joyful on earth. Yeah, but it's a different definition of happiness. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a happiness and joyfulness coming from freedom embedded in a true responsibility and this responsibility when i when i decide i'm responsible for my family i keep them as long as possible together when i feel i'm responsible for the for the community for my friendship i keep them i i switch off the phone i go i meet with them in the restaurant i'm talking with them i'm investing in it so if you start doing this you will start a different type of a journey and your life will have a different quality. And I think in generation, they discover it. You can cheat them for a minute unless you will brainwash them. If you brainwash them, they will start to operate within the framework of a different parallel reality, which is not a true reality. And then by the fruits, you will see. Coming to the beginning, by the fruits, uh, you will see. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, too much words, I would say. No, no, that's all. That's all great. And you, it's so many years, and I can talk to someone now about it. That's cool. That's oh, it's it's really it's really enlightening, honestly. And you've brought us to the place that we always 
in a sense, want to end with, which is hope. Um, our our project is called the Space Salvi Institute. We're named after the great encyclical by Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, "Saved in Hope." Um, one quick comment for me, and then maybe Bobby, you have a final question. But I I want to back up just just jump back one or two points to just note something that that struck me, and I'm grateful for that you that you made this point, Conrad. And it's this this issue of fear and love. I was thinking about, as you were talking, I was thinking about how in um, the first letter of St. John, um, John says, there is no room for fear in love, um, that that really is the thing that gets in the way of authentic charity, right? And, you know, you were talking about how we're afraid of each other in America because of, maybe because of violence, maybe because we're afraid of offending people's differing viewpoints, right? We just sort of have this, because truth is so fragmented, we're, we're sort of afraid of each other. But I, I have discovered that this is really the case, and this has changed just in my lifetime, even in, you, you've alluded to this, and I think you talk about it a little more in the book, but the way that our interpersonal relationships work now is very strange. Um, we're afraid not only of, of maybe others' violence or offending other people, but we're, we're strangely afraid of inconveniencing people. It's so weird. I mean, we don't, we don't drop in on each other. You know, we don't like... You know, it, I, I have a feeling that if one of my neighbors experienced a catastrophic flood, they would go stay in a hotel rather than walk across the street and ask if they could sleep in my on my floor, which is bizarre. We're neighbors. Of course, I would want, you know, we should be looking out for each other in that way. And I think that, you know, it, when as you were talking, it just occurred to me that we're re- we're afraid of each other, even, you know, even in this kind of neighborly way. And I think that's something that I think that's something we need to get past. So that's just a little comment. Yeah. I don't know if you have a further comment, Bobby. Maybe you have a final question. No, I I, I think that's that's so true. I mean, I went. Um, we we mentioned Michal Wachewski earlier, but I was part of the conference um, and workshops. Was part of this Presencing Institute, and one of the um, one of the workshops was actually. I thought it was silly at first, but it, it turned out to be very very helpful and also insight i learned a lot from it was we had to actually find a group of four people and one person had to look at three people in the eyes just stand there in silence for like several several minutes just looking at each other in in in, you know in, in, in their eyes and it was incredibly interesting how just being present to another, I noticed in myself this 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 fear and this like you know uh, a fright and flight motion kicked in, and almost in a lot of my like interactions in America, I've always had that where it's like okay, just survive, <laughs> just survive the conversation, and don't don't bring up so many topics that perhaps might get you into big trouble. Um, but in Poland, it's really interesting. I've noticed the difference, like since I've been married, you know, <laughs> to Magdalena and a Pole, it's, uh, you know, it's it's interesting how Poles will oftentimes, they won't be afraid to bring up some topics and the, the conversation will just sit there. And I, I don't feel like they're trying to get out of it, but they're waiting for my response. Um so anyways, I think that's that's really insightful, Conrad, and particularly as somebody who's coming from, you know, um, outside of America to see that within us, it's, it's extremely helpful to me to just notice it um, yep. first. So, yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. 
Yeah, if you have one of the questions, yes. I can comment on that. And let's maybe finish on a positive note. <laughs> yeah, yes. why don't you yeah. go ahead and do that, Conrad? Yeah, any any sort of final comments yeah. and, and leave us on a positive. Good. So one thing, so positive note in a second, one to refer. So what is a what's the what's the grounding force? Because I'm I would never, never dare to blame any Americans for their behavior. Why? I'm, I'm just explain why. Because the culture is wired like that. The, the, this, this, the systems, the norms, everything that was shaped for all those you know, hundreds of years are just producing those behaviors. Yeah? So, for instance, it is a high individualism yeah, promoted in, the, in America. High individualism very high individualism versus let's say uh, talking about solidarity among the people what is it what is solidarity how can we do it let's say together um, together and, um, and 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 for others now but th this individualism like fueled by the self-made american dream mentality which is you are the one who is in control of your life yeah? so it's again i will be, repeat myself if you are not successful, it means it's your fault. Yes, or it's a shame. Coming back to you, Andrew. Andrew, it's a shame to ask for help. So it's not a bad will. It's nothing in the spirit of those people. Those those hearts. Though everybody created in the image of God. So you have wonderful hearts. Uh, you have a conscience there. There are certain norms that are far further powerful than even the Christian culture, more powerful, which means loving freedom. It's a loving freedom economy, a loving freedom society, rather than loving human beings society. It is loving human beings. But the first reaction when you wake up in the, in the middle of the night, it's loving freedom, individual freedom. So it's like American dream, self-made reality. Yeah? So... And, then, and what is it? It's the people are really trapped and captivated by the adopted vision of the world and social order. Yeah. So it's a, uh, they are not asking for help because it's a shame. I should do it myself. Yeah. And, and there are positives. There's a huge positive aspect of it. <laughs> You're growing. Every third person is an entrepreneur here. I love it. I love it. I was dreaming about that. I was doing innovations in my life. I was trying to achieve also certain, uh, you know, elements of having your own company and, and, and grow and, and have more money, etc. This can be done here. Yeah. This can be done here. Uh, so this is probably to, to reflect on that. I don't think it's, it's it's a result of how it is designed and structured. But now, on a positive note, um, when you would ask me, and we when we started our discussion, and 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 I think you know maybe I'm glad that we didn't start from this. But you said, so are you really in love in America? And I remember this question. Uh, there was a recent interview between Ramaswamy, so you have another um, uh, candidate for the. For the presidency, talking with uh, with a journalist from UK, and and the journalist was saying, "Yes, I, I think I love America." And, and Ramaswamy said, 
are you really do you really love america are you, you really with all its colors bearing arms yes we bear arms we will keep them there is a inbuilt risk with that we accept that there will be a gun violence on the street do you still love america this is what we believe it's the second amendment you have it self-defense of course originally it was yeah militia and then it was defend against bad governments and then it was self-defense and then it was um, i having it to, to protect my family but why children are learned at school that you have to protect your family against other families so coming back it's like a it's it's a circle but major politicians in the country are saying yes i do you love america really do you love america so face the truth <laughs> The America is the Second Amendment as well. So do you still love it? So it's it's a hard question to respond. Uh, yeah, it's a hard question to respond. And, and some people will say, oh, yeah, with his guns, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's steered by the big, you know, from a 70 or $80 billion dollar industry. Yes, maybe it is. But it's there. Yeah? So freedom of speech. We, we can talk about anything we want. Do you still love America? Yeah, because we will be talking about different religions. We will be talking about the topics you don't like. We will be, we will be talking to your children also. Yeah, through the mass media uh, or social media. And I, do you still want to live in this country? So I remember this conversation and it shows me that it's not so easy to love America. And you really have to... <laughs> decide to love all those um, aspects but in a positive sense to me nothing happened to me as of now i'm here seven years with my whole family when i go to the streets when i meet americans when i go to to, to the to my church to saint michael's the archangel parish here catholic parish when i meet those people I'm experienced. Let's start from a from a human to human relationships. I'm experienced unbelievable kindness at the first brief encounter. Unbelievable kindness, and we know about it in, in in Poland. We tend to laugh about it. Oh, you meet American, he's always smiling, always kind, etc. Is this is this true? Is this real? Or are they pretending? I'm I'm saying also to my fellows in Poland, it is true. Kids are taught to be like that here. I'm talking about now Kansas. I visited most of the places in America, but I didn't live there. So I think the disclaimer should be, I'm now describing the, the environment I'm living today. There are so many things going on in America. You can be in a Barbie's community. <laughs> yeah, Barbie world community. Wealthy people, everything wonderful. Uh, green is grass, well cut. And then everybody, you know, happy and smiling. You can just go for 10 miles and then you see the area that was hit by, you think it was hit by what, a tornado or that's a, it's just a result of a tiny, small war. What's going on? So you can, but I'm talking about my closest uh, circle here. So kindness, you meet children with good manners. I would love Poland have it. I remember me being taught by my parents, my grandparents, 
good manners. Those children are saying, excuse me, all the time. Thank you. Please. They are smiling. They are nice. I never saw children being not respectful to their teachers or or yelling at parents, yelling at, yelling at teacher. Nothing. Zero. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable patriotism. Unbelievable patriotism. So you go to a... We, we went to circus two weeks ago. And you stand up. And you sing, and there's an anthem, and there is a flag, and there is always a veteran coming. You go to any game, to college game, to school game, to kindergarten game, to kindergarten play, to the show, to the theater. You sing it. You take care. It's in people's mindsets, thoughts, and you care. So there's an admiration for their country, which I like, because my family was seeding this in my life and then it was a lot of discussion about history a lot of topics about patriotism how to do it i love fourth of july i love memorial day i love veterans day i love those coming to love for america there's a huge culture here it's it's overwhelming it's different it's a different level than comparing to poland it's on a totally different level it's mm -hmm. unbelievable depth yeah yeah. Well, let's just hope that these things that you appreciate about America will will live on. I, I certainly hope so, too. I'm raising my family here in my country, in the United States, and many of the things that you've single, singled out are things that I'm proud of, too. So, um, Conrad Malevsky, we are so grateful that you were able to take the time to join us today. Your book is called Escape from the American Cage, How to Regain Life, Liberty, Happiness, and Gain Truth, Dignity, and Love. Again, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. To our listeners and viewers, if you have enjoyed what you've heard here, please don't forget to subscribe, uh, give us a five-star review, share this episode with friends, and tune in next time for more great content. Check out our website, spacealvieinstitute.com, to sign up for our email list so you don't miss anything new. Until next time, God bless and live in hope.